Hi, Cole here, creator and narrator of The Town Whispers. It's been a long summer, but the leaves once again fall, and with autumn comes longer nights that beg for darker tales. And to fill those long, cold evenings, I've launched a brand new podcast called Tiny Terrors. Tiny Terrors is a nostalgic horror anthology series that is as fun as it is dark. Join three friends as they delve into a forgotten corner of storytelling history and bring to light the darker depths yet still hidden in those often untraveled corners. Subscribe, listen, and review Tiny Terrors wherever you listen to podcasts. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Town Whispers is a narrative horror audio drama that will tell the many stories hidden behind the fog and the rain and the trees of the Pacific Northwest. That fog, which reverberates with the echoes of once-spoken secrets, is why listener discretion is advised. Lapont was many things. She'd been told she was weird and dumb. She'd been called a sweetheart by her mother before, well, you know. She'd been told she was a whisper by, well, a whisper. Peggy was many things, and most of those things were the opinions of others, struggling to define a curious little girl like Peggy. What she did know, and what was true, was that she was imaginative. She was almost certain she'd imagined the whisper which hadn't been whispered, but was a whisper. All the same, when the home was quiet and absolutely still, late at night when her mother had gone to bed and there was nothing but the sounds of her family home settling in the mud on which it had been built more years ago than Peggy cared to learn to count to, She could hear claws scampering about her house, clicking and clacking on the old wooden floorboards. Although she was nearly certain she was imagining them as well, the same way she'd probably imagined the whisper. Knowing this, it still didn't help her sleep any easier. 
And that wasn't the only thing Peggy tried to convince herself was only in her mind and born of her own fear. Peggy and her mother, who had been close, were not so these days. After what had happened to her father, Peggy had cried through the night loudly and her mother had not come to comfort her. Maybe her mother was mad at her. Maybe it was all her fault after all. She had said something, or done something, when that thing had tricked her. The problem was she wasn't even entirely sure how it had tricked her, or whether or not any of it was even real. Her mother had come to her room, but she'd merely stood in the doorway looking in, watching Peggy heave and sob. Peggy had jumped from her bed to run to her mother, seeing her there, craving the sort of comfort only a mother can give, with a full-bodied hug that protects your soul from whatever is eating at it. But Peggy stopped short. Her mother, who stood there, hadn't opened her arms to Peggy, or knelt down to embrace her. She simply stood in the doorway to Peggy's room, looking in as if watching an animal in a cage, knowing that it couldn't touch you as it charged at the bars. Mildred, Peggy's mother, looked down at her with a mix of whimsy and contempt. And Peggy, Mildred's daughter, looked up at her mom with a mixture of confusion and soul-aching hurt. Mildred turned around, leaving Peggy alone standing in the middle of her room. Peggy then went to bed, night after night, not being hugged, or being told she was loved. That night and, well, every other night, Peggy lay staring at the ceiling too afraid to go to sleep, never mother disappear in the night again, but this time never return. Each night, Peggy's mother poked and prodded at that fear. Each night, she would leave. Peggy could hardly breathe, holding her breath as she heard the front door open and her mother stepping out into the wild darkness. It was nights like those that Peggy wished the whisper would return and speak with her. She prayed the whisper would keep her company through the night, wished they'd play with her and give her riddles and sing her soft songs to fall asleep to. She'd even called into the black of her room at night, hoping to hear a response, hoping to hear anything in return, hoping to hear something speak back to her. But the whisper never did. She tried asking Tom, her older brother, to let her stay in his bed once or twice on those particularly cold, long nights, but he never wanted anything to do with her, and when he asked her what she wanted, she wouldn't speak. The words just wouldn't come up and out of her mouth. In her mind, she wasn't even sure why he'd have to ask her that. Wasn't it obvious why she'd be there? Their mother was gone. Gone like she'd been that night when everything changed and, well, their dad was just gone now as well. But Tom didn't care. Why wouldn't Tom care? 
why didn't he understand how lonely she felt? How vulnerable without anyone there looking out for her? She was there because she wanted. No, she... She needed a hug. She needed to feel protected. Peggy wasn't sure if she could hurt like this for much longer. She didn't know what to do or how to fix it. Each inch of her house no longer felt like her home. Each inch of her room felt uncomfortable and foreign, as if it belonged to someone else. Peggy felt uncomfortable beneath her cover in a bed which didn't feel like her own. was already gone. Peggy had not heard what the whisper had said to her. Her heavy sobs had drowned out that which she was listening for for so long, hoping she wasn't crazy, hoping she wasn't just imaginative, but that she was also right. That a whisper not whispered by something had in fact spoken to her. And she just missed it only hearing the word spiderling. Peggy, not daring to miss the whisper again, not daring to miss the whisper's company and secrets, knowing it would not return to her just because she willed it like she'd done so many times before, lay completely still under her covers and held back tears. If only she could handle the pain of the ache in her throat... If she could hold back the flood that threatened to wash away her eyes, if she could be strong and stay completely still, as if the whisper was a rabbit she wished would come just a little closer, so that she could grab it with her hands and hold tight to it, then maybe she'd deserve to have a friend. Maybe she wouldn't deserve to feel so alone. Like children do, Peggy's pain turned into a game, a challenge a test which she would have to overcome in order to feel loved. If she did not make a fuss, if she gritted her teeth hard enough and clenched her fists till they threatened to burst as the white bony knuckles pressed tight against the skin that imprisoned them, then maybe the whisper would return. Or better yet, maybe her mother would see what a good girl she'd been and love her again. Peggy could finally breathe. Her mother was home. Home where she belonged. Mildred eased herself into a chair that sat in the corner of her living room, cradling a bundle, 
swaddled in the torn corner of her dress. Shh, it's okay, sweet thing. Peggy, who ran down the stairs, couldn't see the face of the thing her mother swaddled. She could only see her mother staring down at that thing in her arms as she held it to her bosom for it to feed. Peggy, young as she was, wasn't entirely sure exactly what was happening, but instinctually she felt betrayed. Peggy stepped back from the bottom of the stairs which led into the living room where her mother was feeding the thing that gnawed at her chest. Peggy shut her eyes to the betrayal and ran back up the stairs to her room. Mildred looked up slightly, barely regarding her own daughter. Peggy knew that she'd lost, because she'd cried, because she'd been sad and angry when she shouldn't have been sad and angry, and because of that she lost. She lost whatever game the universe was playing with her. She had let whatever ugly thing had cursed her and her family win, and now her mother cradled and cared for what Peggy could only assume was a baby. Peggy, confused and not really knowing what any of this meant, sat on the edge of her bed, with eyes too tired to cry and a mind too pulled and poked at by the absolute isolation she'd been feeling to think. Little Peggy LaPont could only stare at the moon. It hung in the night sky, with a gossamer shimmer to its edges, as the wet night infused the moonlight with texture. If you stare at the moon long enough, it'll blink. Peggy turned around, both startled by the voice of a strange man in her room and completely apathetic to the fact that there was a strange man in her room. The man stood in a dark back corner of the room, where the moon's light couldn't quite reach, try as it may. Peggy couldn't exactly see him, she could only see the shadow in the darkness, that was somehow blacker and denser in the shape of a man. She could, however, see his eyes, which felt empty and yellowed, and she could see his smile, which felt too wide, stretching from ear to ear. She doesn't like to be stared at. She's shy. You wouldn't know it because she is the moon and she is ghastly beauty. But she'll start to blink. As shy as she is, it isn't our right to watch the moon, little Peggy LaPont. It's her job to watch, not ours. And when she blinks, it gets so dark, Peggy. A dark you've never seen. A darkness which holds bad and terrible little presence. We don't want that. You know, for one who wishes not to be watched, for one who is so beautiful, The moon is also lonely. She chases the sun, but never do they meet. The sun's light merely shines on her, but the light is cold and distant. 
Still the moon shines, and still she captivates, and each night she continues to watch us go about just us silly little ants on a rock. I am sorry your soul hurts. I am sorry it aches so much for being so young. Peggy said nothing. It was the first time anyone had spoken to her, not through her or at her, in what felt like an awfully long time for a child. If she had opened her mouth then, even to whisper, even to take a deep breath, she would cry, and she wouldn't be able to stop. Now, Becky, now you must sleep. And she did. She slept a long, deep sleep. The next morning arrived and Peggy awoke. There was no spring in her step, but she felt better for having slept uninterrupted. She didn't think of the man who had spoken from the dark corner of her room to her. In fact, she simply didn't think about it at all. She didn't really remember how she'd fallen asleep either. The LaPont family home sat still and mute. Peggy rose from her bed as her back arched and her arms contorted tight and outstretched, letting out a deep yawn. Peggy walked down the stairs, eyes still full of sleep and straight towards the kitchen. She grabbed a cup and filled it full of water, sipping it, quenching her dry mouth, before grabbing a piece of some sort of meaty jerky that sat in a tall jar on the counter and returning to bed. She rubbed her eyes as she made her way back to her room, passing by the living room. Peggy could feel the weight, someone's gaze on her. Mildred sat in the chair Peggy had seen her sitting in the night before, the swaddled child she'd held to her bosom. Her eyes hung heavy and hooded. Large, dark circles ballooned out from beneath them as her head was tilted back into the side resting on the back of the chair. She eyed Peggy with the same mixture of whimsy and contempt as if she was merely an interloper, as if she was a cockroach that she'd come to expect just to scuttle from corner to corner eating whatever small decay it could find on the floor. Her nightdress was muddied around the hem, and the corner had been ripped high enough for Peggy to see her mother's legs covered in muck and grime. Peggy was an imaginative child. This was certain, no matter what anyone else told her she was, or who she thought she was. She was and always would be imaginative, but she hadn't imagined what she had witnessed the previous night. Peggy wouldn't cry. She wouldn't reach out for her mother. She wouldn't whine or cry out for what she needed and craved. No, Peggy had decided she would be like the moon. She would be like the moon who hung in the empty black swirling above. She would be beautiful and bright and she'd shoulder her own loneliness. Uncomfortable and unperturbed as she was at the sight of her mother, she would not break. Her face was as placid and as unchanging as the face of a full moon and she'd be stronger than the moon too, she told herself. The moon was shy, 
The moon would blink if you stared too long. The moon didn't like to be watched. As Mildred stared at Peggy, Peggy didn't blink. She didn't look away like she had so many times before. She stared at her mother challengingly. She stared and she didn't blink, not once, as she felt her point was made. Peggy turned away from her mother and walked up the stairs. No, I love you the most, said Mildred, watching Peggy walk up the stairs and away from her. Mildred closed her eyes, feeling the pain in her chest. Her heart did not beat the way it used to. Her nightdress was spotted with blood, where it had soaked through, from where the child had bitten her, where it had fed from her. Mildred LaPont felt drained and lightheaded, but once Peggy was out of sight, Mildred rose from her chair and walked unsteadily to the pantry. She knelt upon the ground and pulled back the long nails from a loose floorboard, pulled back the floorboard and stared at a swaddled child nestled beneath the floor. Spiders crawled and swarmed along the cloth it was wrapped in, but the thing, or the child, didn't mind. It was too busy, gnawing and teething on a bone that Mildred had given her after feeding a bone that had once been a rib in the chest of Mark LaPont. Today's episode was written and performed by Cole Weavers. Sound production and editing by Matt Black. Our theme song is by the amazing Charlie P.S. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter, at The Town Whispers. Now, the fort is a town like no other, and there are many things to discover for those who are willing to see. Those who are willing to listen to the words and the vowels and the consonants made by the whistles in the wind. Have you considered joining us at the town hall? which you can find at Patreon at www.patreon.com slash the town whispers. The town council has been diligent enough to go to the Patreon and set up goals that include digital rewards, as well as physical for those first few who walk through the streets of the fort. Have you signed and sealed your citizenship to the fort by visiting us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at the town whispers? If you haven't, you might want to do so. There we will be divulging secrets of a different kind, such as Patreon-exclusive storylines, additional short stories, merch and swag, and much more to come. So make sure if you are one who is willing to face a thing with no face, that you meet us at patreon.com slash thetownwhispers. For more information on the show, head on over to www.thetownwhispers.com.
This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 